Today on the Illini Enquirer podcast, let's hit on every Illinois basketball topic you guys are talking about. The point guard situation. Making the case for Ty Rogers to be the guy or whoever's left on the roster, Sincere Harris, Dre Gibbs Lawhorn. Making the case that uh, transfer A, B, C that is out there might not be the answer. Derek Piper and I talk about that. We talk about Brandon Pudjimski. We bring it up. The conversation you guys have had all offseason to hit a fever pitch around the draft. But we also talk about recruiting, Phoenix Gill, Jason Jackson, and uh, Illinois prep recruiting moving forward. Because, yes, that is still a thing that matters in basketball. But Derek Piper and I dive deep into the roster. Uh, he's heard some buzz on how summer workouts are going. You can check that out in depth on OlineInquire.com, the VIP side of things, but we dive into it here today as well. But even after Joey Wagner and I had our midday uh, podcast yesterday, breaking down two new commitments in Joe Barna and Amar Reynolds, Illinois added another commitment from three-star defensive back out of Largo, Florida, home of Bobby Roundtree as well, uh, Chase Green. Uh, had a crystal ball pick in for Chase Green. Not a surprise here, but still, Illinois locks this one down. He's a prospect uh, I really like. So we'll talk about him a little bit before uh, Derek Piper joins us on the podcast. But uh, Illinois certainly has a type in with defensive backs, right? Like long, athletic, physical, and Chase Green is that. And from Florida. <laughs> if you're from Florida, uh, you're an athletic, long, physical Defensive back, Illinois is probably in on you. But that's now three defensive backs from Florida they've added over the last week. Vernon Woodward, the foot from Wisconsin. Amar Reynolds, long, six foot two, six foot one, cornerback most likely. Chase Green, to me, looks like a safety. And uh, Ryan Easterling and I uh, watch the film, and, and we see similar things. But I watch Green's tape, and I, and I kind of see a free safety ball hawk. Um, and he, he makes plays in the ball. He's, you know, dropping back in the coverage a lot and and he's always around the ball in coverage he had four interceptions last year but he also is good in run support uh, so ryan kind of sees someone maybe maybe with strong safety potential but that versatility is always a good thing uh but in that way he kind of reminds me a little bit of tj griffin in-state prospect last year redshirt freshman i uh, got some first team reps this spring at free safety but uh, i, I kind of like him in that ball hawk you know kendall smith Kirby Joseph kind of role. Not not the athlete Kirby Joseph is, but just a nose for the ball. But I can see him coming up and run support. I can see him in nickel uh, as well. But uh, I just think he's a really good prospect. It's kind of a surprise to me that he doesn't have more Power 5 offers. I think he's a solid three-star. We have him at 24-7 sports at an 86 rating. I think that's right. Um, I, I, this guy's he's going to need some time to develop all those things. But Temple and Tulane, um, USF. Florida International Liberty were kind of his other choices there. I'm a little surprised this isn't a guy that had, you know, four or five power five offers. So just another solid addition uh, to the secondary. I think Amar Reynolds is a solid addition. I think Vernon Woodward is a great addition uh, to the secondary. So another Florida defensive back that I think has potential down the line to start. But uh, one thing I've really noticed, this staff invests the most scholarships in its secondary and its offensive line. Right now, Illinois is carrying 16 scholarship offensive linemen for 2023 and 18 scholarship defensive backs. That would go to 19 so far for next year. I mean, this is assuming no attrition, which we should never assume. But they load up those two positions. Uh, Offensive line, they want a three deep of scholarship players. That wasn't the case with the previous staff. Defensive back, 
they want a three or four deep because they do play five defensive backs at a time, right? Uh, most of the time. So that's a position they really want. Plus a lot of special teams help there. Uh, those guys are, are usually a huge impact on special teams. So Illinois added Woodward, Reynolds, and Green. They're still looking to add more. I, I think they want to add at least one more defensive back in this class. You know, Ricky Knight and, and Xavier Lucas probably are atop that priority list. Kevin Levi uh, just took a visit here. Those are all big-time Power 5 recruits. Florida State is in the mix for, for Knight and Levi. Lucas, uh, Florida State's in the mix there, but Iowa, Wisconsin, Rutgers, uh, Oregon State, all involved there. The other guy I would look at is Dalen Platt. Um, Illinois really likes him. I know Aaron Henry really likes him. And I uh, wouldn't be surprised if, uh, you know, next week or two, if he's a guy that could jump on board. But Ole Miss and uh, Kenoto Hudson are, are going after him as well. So I think they're going to have one more defensive back for Florida in this class, so that would make four. But uh, of the 19 scholarship defensive backs slated to be on next year's roster, 11 are from Florida. So, yeah. They definitely have a type there. Now Illinois can really kind of get pointed, can get picky uh, in recruiting, but really narrow their sights, I guess is the best way to describe it. Running back, you want one of Darion Dupree or Khalil Valentine. You know, Dupree, the recruitment is really intense right now. Illinois, Wisconsin, Missouri, all there. I think it's going to come down to Illinois and Wisconsin. Wisconsin really wanted to close this one down on their official visit. They weren't able to do that. I think that's a good thing for Illinois. I think the longer this prolongs, probably a good thing for Illinois because a lot of people, even people around Illinois and in the Illinois program, thought they had work to do coming into this month. So the fact that this looks like a real battle, um, I think could be a good thing. He's Dupree, if you turn on the film, he reminds me a lot of Josh Ferguson. And I hold Josh Ferguson maybe in higher regard than some people do. One of the all-time leading rushers at Illinois. Uh, I think he was number two or three on the list. Um, and just very productive, but very versatile. Dupree is just as comfortable being a receiver as he is a running back. And people ask me, who would you prefer? I, I, I just want one of those guys. But uh, I think Dupree would be you know, the priority here, even though Valentine, I think, brings a lot of similar things. So you know, Dupree being the in-state guy, you might side with that. But I just think he's a special talent, and uh, if you can land him over Wisconsin, that'd be huge. Uh, Tanner Hollinger, tight end, Illinois really likes. I think they're going to try and add him and get a second tight end in this class, and I, I wouldn't be surprised in the next week or so uh, that that happens. Offensive line, they're shooting their shot with Brett Carroll, Caleb Highfrom. Carroll's uh, just took a visit to, visit to Oklahoma State, also Minnesota and Texas Tech. I think Illinois is in the top three there. Uh, we'll see if they can pull this one off. Oklahoma State, closest to home, good program. I know they struggled a bit towards the end of last year, but uh, that that would be the interesting one. Can Illinois beat out Oklahoma State, to me, would be the biggest one. Caleb Pye from announced he's going to make an announcement, commitment announcement, on Tuesday morning. I think it's between Nebraska and Illinois. I do think Nebraska is probably the leader going into that one. They have a crystal ball pick in for him. I'd like to add another defensive lineman. We'll see if they can land D'Amico Kennedy. I think that could be difficult. I think Purdue's been in really good there. Uh, they like to add another edge rusher. Of course, Marquise Lightfoot atop that list. They'll add him whenever. But uh, Josiah Knight, who just visited, three-star prospect out of Florida, he visited Georgia Tech and uh, Illinois over the last month. So it's going to come down to them because he has a July announcement is, is what he told me planned. So that, that's kind of what you're looking at. One more defensive back, at least one more edge rusher. You'd like a defensive lineman, another offensive lineman, a tight end, and a running back. They can, they can kind of focus on all that stuff. Focus on recruiting your own guys. Focus on 
potential flips. Focus on um, evaluating guys who could be late risers here. Focus on JUCOs and maybe focus on the class of 2025, uh, which Illinois thinks is really special in state, really deep. Uh, so if you can get in, focus more on that, that'd be huge. But what a month it has been for Illinois football recruiting. They came into the month, understandably, people were a little concerned. Only had three commitments. They've had 11 commitments in the last 16 days. That's that's doing the work. Pat Embleton told me in the story I wrote about how they prepare for official visit, the goal is to land commitments. The number one goal is to land commitments and solidify your class. They've done that. They've They've addressed almost all their needs. They have built a strong class of Power 5 prospects. The only guys that don't ha- didn't have p- Power 5 offers or announced them publicly uh, other than Illinois were Green, who I talked about, and Brandon Hansen, who hasn't announced any other Power 5 offers, but, but he has them. Um, he's just all in uh, on Illinois. So that's a really good start to the class. They got a couple nice wins, a uh, couple, several wins over Big Ten rivals, Power 5 rivals. So... I think it's a really good start to the class. You'd like to add, you know, another headliner like Darion Dupree or, or Marquise Lightfoot, or I think Brett Carroll would be a headliner. Caleb Pyfrom would be a, a headliner. But they've added some really good pieces um, in, in this class. I mean, you get Tyshawn Griffin, Eddie Turk, Joe Barna in state, right? Um, you know, Brandon Hansen, obviously an in stater is as well. To get a couple Power Five defensive line wins, to get your quarterback solidified in, in Trey Petty, to get the downstate kid in Carson Conkle, to win a Power Five battle for an offensive lineman in Zafir Stewart, uh, Easton Baker. I think all you guys seem to love him and his film. I get it because I do too. And then you add your Florida defensive back. So uh, I think it's been a very productive month. I think it's been mission accomplished. And now uh, you're shooting even higher and you get to focus a little bit on those top prospects. I think that's a really good thing for Illinois football. All right, let's talk some Illini hoops. What's next for them? Is the roster set for 2023-24? What does Piper think of the point guard position? I'll make the case of just going with that you got at guard, even though it's a little scary uh, at point guard. Uh, So I'll try to make that case for you guys. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Brandon Pajimski. We'll go talk about that discussion that you guys are all having, uh, and we'll break down some prep recruiting as well. That's next on the Illini Inquirer podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, let's catch up with Derek Piper and talk some Illinois basketball because there's always stuff to talk about in the offseason that never sleeps. Derek, how are you, man? Good. Uh, chugging along through. It's nice to get out in the high school scene, see some uh, 2024s, 2025s. was up in Riverside Brookfield two weeks ago and this past weekend up in Romeoville. So uh, it's been a little bit of a throwback where we're talking all portal all spring and uh, didn't have a lot of focus on high school recruiting. So I got to enjoy some of that, get back on the road. And uh, we still have one open spot. So I know we're going to talk about that, but it's yeah. it's been good. How yeah. you doing? Uh, good. I, I do want to talk about um, two things that uh, this, this season, this off season have been talked over and over about. Um, so I'm kind of tired of talking about them, but I feel 
they still are topics, and that includes Illinois' point guard situation and Brandon Pajimski. Uh, so those two things are in the news yet again this week. But I do want to get into some of this prep recruiting because I do find solace in, in the long-term planning and, and development of players that you can keep in your program for a long time. Uh, so we will dive into Phoenix Gill and, and Jason Jackstis and all of that. But but let's start here. Jeremiah Williams, um, I guess the joke is, what was your favorite moment of the Jeremiah Williams era of Illinois? I have to put that out there. Uh, what happened here, Derek, where Jeremiah Williams seemed like the staff was was excited about adding him as a point guard after Ray J. Dennis, and then uh, he decommits, and uh, he will not be at Illinois. There were just question marks with him from the moment he committed, which was just hours after Ray J. Dennis chooses Baylor. You talk around to people around the program, and, and they were involved with him, obviously, last offseason and liked his ability to be a, a really good defender, someone to get to the rim. Uh, there is some suspect three-point shooting there. Goes to Iowa State. They just flat-out missed on him uh, and were a little bit bummed out by that fact because of Brad's relationship with his dad. He played for him uh, when Brad was an assistant there at Western Illinois. So it circles around after the Achilles injury. He doesn't play last year at Iowa State. He goes into the portal. Uh, and Illinois has a spot to give. Now, they did fill up by adding him at that point late in May. But uh, the fact of him needing a waiver – to be able to be eligible because this was his second transfer, the Achilles recovery, which seems to be at least progressing some because he's back on the court doing some non-contact stuff. It's it's easing his way back into basketball activities. Uh, still the ramp-up process of getting into five-on-five five and that whole kind of deal would have to play out probably into the fall and, and see how that is responding. But uh, then you also had a, kind of a late developing story with Iowa State and Iowa, there's a, a gambling situation there that people are getting looked into for gambling involvement that's against the NCAA rules. And, and the more I heard, I heard it from enough people that are uh, comfortable saying that Jeremiah at least has some form of involvement or question marks surrounding his involvement uh, with that when he was at Iowa State. So I think that, that was really kind of the cherry on top for uh, a case for Illinois and him to to cut ties. And, and that's ultimately what happened. And uh, we'll see where he ends up. Uh, of course, with the the gambling thing, I, I've dug into it a little bit. I know that somebody uh, tied into Virginia Tech last year uh, got caught up in, in betting on some NFL. And we can – I mean, there, it opens yeah. up a whole conversation on how much should this stuff be penalized and everything. Um, but he, he was gambling NFL and, and got suspended half a year, half a season of his senior season because of that involvement. I mean, we're not talking about – betting on his own team or even college football games for his situation. I don't know what all the details are with Jeremiah, but uh, that type of thing could introduce a possible suspension, even a lengthy one. And you also have the waiver. You also have the injury. So just a lot there for Jeremiah. And uh, ultimately he won't, he will not be on the line. Yeah. And, and given Josh Whitman's stance on gambling that he reiterated this past week, uh, that, that would not be a surprise that, that uh, he and Illinois would want to steer clear of any kind of you know connection to that. So, of course, Derek, the Illini fans continue. Any point guard that enters the transfer portal, and they are still entering the transfer portal because they can still be grad transfers. Uh, Alabama former star, five-star prospect Javon Quinterly enters this week. Joe Toussaint, West Virginia, we know what's happened there. Kirk Creasa went in the portal. Now he's back at West Virginia, so it seems like that staff did some work there, potentially some booster work too. Um, but they got one spot open. Derek, uh, traditionally, Brad Underwood has liked to leave one spot open, but we know point guard 
remains a concern at the very worst. Are the Illini done with their point guard pursuits, or do you expect them to continue to look at whoever enters the portal? I think they're open to still looking. I know everybody wants an answer of they will for sure 100% add a point guard, or those will say we're completely done adding, let's just rock with this roster. There's some nuance there, some some middle ground of the situation matters, the fit matters, uh, and the NIL matters. That's another thing that as you looked at Kirk Carrizo's situation, a guy that got a, a really nice payday to go to West Virginia in the first place, and then once he goes back into the portal, the word was, well, to, to get him, he wants even more than what he had at West Virginia, which if you want an example, it sounded like he was getting about 600000 to to go to West Virginia NIL-wise. And th- there were some people that uh, thought that Memphis might have given him eight hundred, and that another school out there was going to maybe give him a, a multi-year, two-year deal worth like one one million, one point two million. So you're talking big money for these guys that enter late. So there's there's that incentive for though supply and demand. Like Paul Mulcahy going in late, Javon Quinterly going in late. These guys are going to command some legit money, and that's something with Illinois. I don't think that they have uh, endless supply of NIL though left to, to really go out there and just get whoever they want. Um, I think also the situation with you've now positioned yourself with Ty Rogers to say, Hey, you're going to play a good amount at point guard. We want you on the ball. We like you there. Uh, you've got him in that situation. You got Drake Gibbs Lawhorn, someone they've been really impressed with the, his talent first and foremost, and also just the way that he's working right now. So uh, sincere has made a, a nice step forward. According to the staff is, how they're seeing that. So you're, you're, you're trying to figure out the chemistry part of it, the the guys you want to get some minutes there. And, and if you bring somebody else in, how, what's the what's the domino effect? Who How's the, the overlap of roles take place? And there's just all those things to weigh as you look at some of these options, even though Illinois still is kind of a point guard situation away from having really everything you would want, I think, going into a season. Derek, I'm going to make my case of why we should be done with the point guard pursuits okay one i'm yep. just burned out I'm, I'm burned out about it i, I every every point guard there's portal illinois has got to go get um i i don't think that's the case anymore listen if there is a no doubt guy like ray j dennis was uh i'm taking him I, i'm going after him i am risking uh potentially upsetting some other guys in the roster because i do think you're a point guard of that caliber away from competing for a Big Ten championship and, and making a run in the NCAA tournament. Guys like Joe Toussaint, guys like um, Quinterly, they could be upgrades, but they're not definitive upgrades. And I know people, you're just building a roster for a year, one year. I don't believe in that. I still don't believe that. Like I still think you have to build something for the long term. And the other part is, I just believe in Ty Rogers, the dude. Like that is a guy I want playing 20 plus minutes a game. Um, can he do it at point guard? Can he be a, you know, middle of the pack, big 10 point guard as a sophomore when he turned it over a little bit too much? Like there's risk, there's absolute risk in there. But I also just believe in the guy. I believe in the player. I believe that, you know, he was the, the guy who was running the point at Thornton. I think those are some of his best skills or his distributing skills. He can play booty ball, of course, he can't shoot, and he needs to shoot better free throws. He needs to finish better around the rim. It was about 59% at the rim last year. But I just think he's the kind of guy, 
that we saw last year. He fought through adversity. He got better as the year went on. Um, I wanted him to play a lot as the year went on. And I think with a full offseason, I, I think he can be a solid player at that position. You need everybody else to shoot better. But, but Derek, I also think, like, do you want to play Joe Toussaint 10 minutes over Sincere Harris or 10 minutes over Dre Gibbs-Lawhorn when those guys, if you let them have growing pains around a roster that's otherwise really good, that could pay off real well in the long term. Like, I, I still think you want to give minutes to Ty Rogers and Sincere Harris and Dre Gibbs-Lawhorn. And if Nico Moretti ends up showing something, I'd, I'd rather just kind of side with that than than adding Joe Toussaint or, or somebody of that caliber who just kind of upset everything. Like, these guys are practicing together now. Like, I, I feel like, hey, take those guys to Europe for 10 practices and in several games, see what you got. Like, it's not the best situation. Uh, I get it, but you missed on Ray J. Dennis. You, you put all the eggs in that basket, and now I just kind of roll with what I got, unless another Ray J. Dennis. Like, I, I just don't know if the, the Quinterlies or Toussaints of the world are changing much for me. I think that's very fair. I, and I think it is complicated because, yeah. again, like there's a lot baked into this year having the potential to get that dark cloud uh, <laughs> away from this program that, hey, you haven't been to a Sweet 16 in forever. And if you do have a, a very solid to good point guard situation, then I think that that really gives this roster everything you'd want to, to get there. But, yeah, what is sacrifice in the process if you were to bring in a Tucson? And I, I'm with you. I don't think Tucson is a – a huge needle mover. There's a chance that you give Ty Rogers a full offseason to rep at, at point guard and, and give him some some games for the first months of the season. And maybe midway through the year or even late in the year, Ty Rogers is a better point guard option than Toussaint would even be. But uh, I, I don't think you get Joe Toussaint without making him yes. your starting point guard uh, from the get-go. I think he'd want that assertion. I think he'd want a, a number of, of guaranteed minutes. And, yeah, that would cut into – what Ty would get on the ball, not to say he can't play the three-some, the four-some, but bringing back, of course you'd want to, bringing back Coleman Hawkins, adding Quincy Garrier, you've got three guys in that front court and Garrier, Coleman, and Dane for two spots essentially that are all supposed to play pretty big minutes. So there's less opportunity for Ty to play there. And yes, it also affects Dre Gibbs-Lawhorn, Sincere Harris. And I do think, well, I've heard, you know, earlier in the offseason, hey, we, we don't want to be – held back from making additions because it is year by year. Cause that happened last year. It was yeah. sky Clark, Jaden Epps. Can we get Courtney Ramey? Should we? And ultimately they said, no, we don't want to upset those guys. We want them for the long term. It's a fair point. Both those guys left anyway. Right. And uh, you didn't get Courtney Ramey and you regretted it there in the fall. Um, but I, I think they do want to. If Courtney Ramey were available right now, I'd take him like that level yeah. of guy. I would go get him that, that I guess that's my point is, uh, yeah. I just think Sincere Harris can probably do a lot of the things you want Toussaint to do, and, he, and he's right. longer. Uh, Mulcahy I get, but I feel like Ty Rogers can eventually be Mulcahy-like. Uh, he needs to shoot better, of course, but like that that I would get if, if you went and got Paul Mulcahy or somebody like that. But um, some of these other names we brought up, I'm just, I, I just wouldn't be – on paper it looked great, Derek, in case of an injury or all this, but I still do think, like, we've seen it, like, I think it matters of your chemistry of, you know, getting these guys to buy in and, and showing a little bit of loyalty to them. I, I know that might've hurt Brad Underwood last year, but I, I think the decision just to, I think, I think last year was the decision to go all in on Sky Clark, basically mm -hmm. that, that, that really hurt that position. 
Yeah, hundred percent. And I, I would definitely take Paul Mulcahy. I, I would risk not playing sincere enough or Justin Harmon coming in. If he doesn't get the type of minutes he'd want to slot in Mulcahy as your starting point guard and, and let Ty be your backup option in that kind of a sense. But there would be risk that, Hey, now we got to play Ty more at the three and Luke Goody doesn't play enough. And so there's some of those tough decisions, but I think Mulcahy's good enough that I would say, let's, let's roll with it. Uh, I, I would, I'd really like a point guard rotation and Mulcahy is my first option. Ty is my second option. And then beyond that, maybe it's Dreg Gibbs-Lawhorn, maybe it's Sincere. Maybe if Moretti's is is ready for that, then he could be in that situation. Quinterly, I, I think, is a, a good option, too. I know he's had some some ups and downs as a player. I, I think he had a really good tournament game uh, this past uh, year. But I just I think you're going to be priced out. I think you're going to be priced out of Quinterly. I think you're going to be priced out of Mulcahy. You were uh, with Kreza. So I think that is also a situation of who can you afford are they worth it in terms of the the overlap of bringing them in and upsetting the apple cart and that type of a sense? But it's it's hard to have a – I get both sides of it. I, I really do. Yeah. And um, it's a risk. It's a risk yes. to go in with what you have. But I, I do think – I like Ty on the ball. I really do. I, I love Ty as a player. Uh, if you're not if you're going to have a non-shooter, I, I think sometimes the best place to have him is on the ball where you've just got shooting around him. And I, I like – Coleman is a five with Ty at the one. And if he can study a lot of Jalen Pickett tape and back some people down and, and get to the rim. And I do think he's a fantastic passer. That's a situation that I think can work for him. I, I do wonder about that behind him. The, the second rotation of point guards is, is sincere going to have this, the game slow down enough for him to make decisions on the ball. Is Dre going to be yeah. solid enough as a f- true freshman? Moretti is, is a redshirt freshman who, is probably a liability defensively because he's he's pretty slender and not the best athlete out there. And maybe maybe now you consider more of let's try to fix Justin Harmon's turnover issues. I mean that dude yeah. played in a ton of ball screens last year, and if he he's still got to make it to campus, but maybe you can sure up some of the things that really ailed him turnover wise. That's a guy that's played with the ball in his hands a good amount too. Yeah, I, I'm not saying Ty Rogers fix everything. Like <laughs> I don't. I mean it is it is your weakness going into the season. It's a shame it is a weakness, uh, but we've rehashed the Ray J. Dennis sweepstakes, right? One more last point. Yeah. Speaking of rehashing, and, and you mentioned it earlier, storylines that will never die. Brandon Podjemski is part of this, too. Like, pe- the people that are so – and there are a lot of them on Twitter and on our message board, and how did Brad Underwood see this guy every day in practice and recruit over him and not give him an opportunity? There's some of that reference to the current situation at point guard, like – what if you bring in somebody at point guard, Sincere gets buried, or Ty doesn't play the minutes he wants, yep. and or, or Dre Gibbs Lawhorn doesn't get what he thinks he should get as a freshman, and one of those guys leave, or multiple leave, and one of them blossoms into a fantastic player, and you're kind of in that same situation. It's kind of the opposite Brandon Podjemski effect. If you were to say, I like the guys we got. I don't want to bury one of those guys. I want to play these dudes, and it pays off. Where the people have said, what happened to the development program? What happened to the ride with the guys you brought in recruited wise? And, and that's some of the knocks that Brad got for that. Then you could say, Hey, he's kind of taking a little bit of a different angle with the point guard situation. I just think that, that is, is an interesting reference. Yeah. And I, I find the dialogue around Brad Underwood just uh, really interesting right now. Like I get it. Like he's got to win in the NCAA tournament, and, and until he does that, and, uh, until they make a run 
there's going to be a portion that that's you know it, there's going to be this weird dichotomy of this guy's taken us so far and, and look how far we've come but he's not above criticism that the point guard situation is not above criticism but i i do find just this this fan base is just so intense right now and they're so passionate that they just want this extended run that they feel like they should have had the last couple years and and they just haven't gotten to that point so that's why there's so much angst around a team that's probably gonna be a top half big 10 team uh returns two of the best players in the big 10 um but yeah adding the 19th overall draft pick leaving your program as somebody who had under 70 minutes Derek and then is drafted 19th let's dive into that right now shall we you and I, I mean, we've talked about this before on the podcast, but my takeaway from this, and, and I tweeted it and people thought I was trying to take a shot at Underwood or thought I wasn't taking a shot at Underwood and I should. Listen, that stings when a guy becomes the highest drafted former Atlanta basketball player and uh, since what, Darren Williams um, or, or Myers Leonard, I guess. Myers Leonard, yep. uh, that, that stings. But I also think it was a sign that Brandon Pajemski made a fantastic decision. I, I just, I think more guys should consider transferring down, uh, and, and finding the role or the school that best fits for you. And uh, going where Jalen Williams shined, and, and he was a great rookie for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, I think it's it was a really smart decision by him. I think he needed the ball in his hands. I don't think he was going to get that at Illinois. And ultimately, Illinois chose Sky Clark, which ninety nine out of a hundred of us would have done at this time last year. And it ended up stinging Illinois. I mean, that's the way I look at it, because Sky Clark committed on April 7th. Brandon Pajemski transferred on April 13th. Yeah, that was the last domino for Brandon to really see that that backcourt was so crowded and nothing was really guaranteed. And he wanted to be told after barely playing as a freshman, hey, there's a, a pretty clear path for you to step into a much larger role. Illinois was not willing to at least assure him that that was uh, a guarantee. So they brought in Sky, they brought in Jaden, Sincere. And I think also you got to also consider, you know, Terrence Shannon Jr. is part of that mix as well. I mean, who, even in hindsight, what Brandon Podjemski did, albeit 44% from three and the numbers he put up at Santa Clara were ridiculous. It is a different level, uh, not to completely discount the the WCC because you got some good teams in there, Gonzaga, St. Mary's. But would he have had that same type of year in the Big Ten? I don't think anybody out there is necessarily saying that. Well, you know, there are some people that probably would go that far, but I, I would disagree with them. He has a skill set um, they certainly needed. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, as you saw, you know, hindsight's easy. Uh, R.J. Melendez having the year that he had. If you slotted in Brandon and that, how many open corner threes that R.J. took and didn't make, if you give Brandon Podjemski those looks, he probably has a really nice year and, and provides such a – a great shooting role for a team that just didn't shoot it that well. And I do wonder, I think, I think Brandon on the ball stuff is like what he wanted. I don't see him as a true point guard, although he admittedly and seeing some of the NBA combine stuff, some of his assist numbers, decision-making and pick and rolls was more advanced than I thought it, it would be uh, for a guy as a sophomore, but yeah, it's just a tough one. And it's such a unique deal. Like, I will reiterate, reiterate, I've said it before, the first time Illinois ever saw him play in person was when he showed up to campus in June as an incoming <laughs> freshman. They never went out and saw him because they couldn't. It was COVID. Nobody could recruit off campus. Everybody's evaluating on film and videos and highlight tapes to get 
post it on Twitter, and that's that's how he gets offers from Illinois, Kansas, Kentucky. Kansas and Kentucky aren't pushing at the end, so that part of it is is there. The competition in high school was a question, and he didn't play all that well in practices and stuff in the summer. It was like, hey, this guy's got a, a big learning curve. So I, I understand it's it's not a great look. It's frustrating because of the need that he could have filled last year, but. He, he did, like you yeah. said, you said it perfectly. I mean, he did the best thing for him. He found the role, the opportunity. He did it right for himself, and we'll see where he goes from here. Listen, it sucks if you're an Illinois fan. It does. It absolutely does. But the, the conversation of he needed to play more as a freshman, who – I mean, we can go back and say, yeah, you should have played him over Curbelo. Who was doing that for a guy people were considering a preseason All-American? Derek, a guy that was the Big yeah. Ten sixth man of the year as a freshman – like, you weren't doing that at that point. Like, Alfonso Plummer, Trent Frazier, DeMonte Williams, you won a Big Ten championship with that team. And listen, he, he gave a spark in the Northwestern game, but that's about it, right? It's, it's not like when he came in there, it was like, oh, this guy's another level. Uh, and, and listen, I think he's going to the perfect spot for his skill set, going to Golden State, basically going to play that Jordan Poole role with, with, with Steph and, and Clay and all those guys like – that's a perfect fit. If anybody else would have taken him 19, I think that would have been a bold call um, because there's not a lot of guys who transfer down, become first-round picks, and have succeeded. I think Bill Simmons and Ryan Russell went over that. But phenomenal decision by Brandon Podjemski, and I'm happy for the kid. Um, what what a rise. It's, it's, it's really rare. Anything else to add on, on that hot topic besides it stinks for Illinois, but it seems like a lot of hindsight we're talking about? Like, listen – if Brad Underwood saw it in practice, or if it was that clear in practice, I think Brad Underwood would have rolled with him. 100%. Yeah, 100%. It's a guy that works his butt off. I mean, he's obviously put he put himself in a situation through his work to be able to have the type of year that he had. And, yeah, it, it helped that he went into a situation that wanted to give him a primary scoring option role. And he would not have had that at Illinois. He wouldn't have had that a lot of high majors. I think if – I think it's a fair point that some have made that, hey, how co- if Illinois messed up so bad, how come the other high majors like a Kansas or Kentucky or even others in the fold didn't bring him in and, and guarantee him what Illinois wouldn't? I, I think that that is a, a situation where Santa Clara was the type of, of spot where they lose Jalen Williams. They needed somebody to come in and, and shoot a lot, and he took it and, and ran with it. So, I, yeah, I think it, it stinks for Illinois – I understand why they did what they did. Yes, maybe you don't. I, I don't know. Yeah, the Sky Clark thing. Maybe if you don't bring in Sky and you you kept Brandon and you said, "Hey, we're going to give you some minutes on the ball and we're going to we'll, we'll find if, a way if, to get you in there." If anybody has a tweet or a text that said, "This is a mistake. Don't take Sky, Sky Clark. Uh, keep Brandon Pudgeems. Give him the give Pods the ball." Um, I I will. I don't know. I will shout you out on this podcast next. I'll reach you, whatever. Like, if you actually have that timestamp somewhere, uh, let me yeah. know. Yeah, that'd be that'd be a hell of a take. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just hoping this one will die. This one can maybe now go away. But he's probably going to, like you said, the situation in Golden State, probably going to put him in a situation to, to put up some good numbers and look good, and then we'll only hear more gripes. But, I'm, ha- I'm happy for Brandon. I'm happy for Daddy Pods, man. Uh, happy for those guys. Daddy Pod's always on the jump. He didn't ask out high. He just jumped. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Daddy Pod's new all along, man. Hey, good, good for him. Daddy Pod's uh, got some good pub. He did. He did. All right, Derek. Um, speaking of the draft, while we're here, 
Uh, I found it interesting. Only one college player taken in the top five. I wish some of these uh, G League guys were playing college basketball, but hey, it's working for them. Overtime elite as well. Did you have Jet Howard as the highest selected Big Ten player? I did not. I don't think I I know that mock drafts, he was kind of in around 20 or or so. And I'm listening to a lot of the reaction. That was a pretty highly scrutinized pick by the Magic. Like they could have taken Grady Dick. Do you feel better about the Vooch trade now that Jet Howard was the other first rounder? A little bit better. I, I, I like Franz. That pick has turned out pretty well for the Magic, I think. And I like but, Vooch. Um, I like Vooch a lot as a player. I just wish we would have had one of those first rounders still. I know. Yeah, Vooch leaves a little bit, probably in terms of expectation versus what we've gotten, a little yes. bit left. It was a bad desired. trade. It was a bad trade. But, um, yeah, I think that if it would have been Grady Dick, I would have liked to have Franz Wagner and Grady Dick in, in hindsight. But uh, Jet Howard, they want a shooter there in Orlando. They, they've taken a lot of guys that are, are not the most knocked down in terms of the outside. But uh, I like the Kobe Bufkin pick. I, I could have – I would not have been surprised if it would have been Bufkin or obviously uh, Jalen Hutchifino as, as the first to come off the board for the Big Ten. But uh, Bufkin going to Atlanta, I think that that's – uh, a good pick for them. I, I like, I mean, he was one of the best players in the Big Ten down the stretch. Same with Huchifino yeah. uh, down the stretch of last year. But I like both those guys. And uh, Jet Howard's a little bit more of a um, scrutinized yeah. type of selection. Um, I hate to go second rounders here, but I love the Big Ten second rounders. Um, yeah. Jalen Pickett to the Nuggets. Is there a more perfect fit than high IQ, great passer, uh, kind of unconventional player? Like you put him around. I, obviously Jokic, but just the shooters in Denver, I think that's a great fit. Mm-hmm. Seth Lundy around Trey Young should get a lot of open looks. And Trace Jackson Davis, the Warriors, at 57. Listen, I didn't think Trace was a first-rounder. I just didn't see enough offense for that. But you, you talk about that Kevon Looney role. Nice. I think Trace Jackson Davis could be a real value pick. Uh, and I did like Chris Murray, getting the Blazers getting him at 23 to, to, to pair – um, with Scoot Henderson. I, I think that could be a, a fun young core, especially if they decide trading uh, Damian Lillard. So uh, just a few Big Ten thoughts. Uh, of the Lakers is interesting um, long-term. I don't know how much he helps them right away. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. I, I like I like Huchifino a lot, the player. I know he does need to get more consistent with his outside shot, but someone that in the pick and roll, uh, definitely mid range. I mean, he had some huge games down the stretch, and uh, I just really like, I really like his game. Um, I great point on on a lot of those landing spots there in the in the second round. Pickett, we'll see booty ball on uh, every scouting about, report hey, in the NBA. You're not allowed to do this. Yeah, every um, scouting report that I read have mentioned booty ball. So kudos to Brad Underwood for uh, for coining that. And hey, if Ty Rogers is the point guard, indeed. There's gonna be a lot of booty ball for Illinois, so he might he might not like it, but uh, he, he seems like he's gonna copy it with his point guard this year. I think he's gonna learn to like it for <laughs> sure, um, especially if it works. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Pickett, this passing he really developed as a shooter last year too. Uh, that's a great landing spot. Trace, I, I'm in full agreement. I, I was surprised he fell as far. I, I know that talking to some other people, uh, I was out you know this weekend. You hear some talk from college coaches about the, the draft and like you, you can't shoot and, and look at the you can't shoot big men like a Sonogo and Shibwe and obviously Kofi uh, a, a year or two ago but um, he's a very good defender I think as a passer he can 
do well. I mean, when he got doubled last year, I thought he made a lot of really good decisions. Not that he's going to get doubled uh, with the Warriors, but the way they they move and have shooters off the ball, I think if you threw it into him and you know, had Steph running off a screen or Clay, I think that that could be something that really uh, is something that works. And I mean, he's he's long, he's athletic. We'll see if the if he can ever get like a 15 foot jump shot. I mean, it was never really something that he even attempted this past year because it wasn't there for him. Uh, and Lundy. Lundy probably wasn't talked enough about as an NBA prospect when he was playing with Penn State. I mean, his numbers last year were – his efficiency was as high as anybody in the country, really, and 40-plus uh, percent from three. He's he's definitely the the NBA 3-and-D type of guy. Yeah, I forgot to mention Sensabaugh, uh, Bryce Sensabaugh going to Utah at, at pick 28. Do you oh, think – Oh, you mean uh, what, what was the comp that Cats made for him? Oh, God. Uh, that's, a, that's a heck of a list of comps there, Cats. Michael Bridges? Is that who it was? Or no, I couldn't remember who it was. That wouldn't have shocked me. That that wouldn't have shocked <laughs> me if he if he made that that comparison. Um, would Coleman Hawkins or Terrence Shannon been drafted, Derek? Because Ricky Council didn't get drafted. And he and Shannon were, I think, for Gavoni, like th- right next to each other in his ranking, similar prospects. Um, so I don't know. I think both those guys make good decisions now looking back. Listen, Terrence Chan's going to be an old prospect. That could really hurt him next year. But he's going to make more guaranteed money probably come back to college than I think he would have in, uh, you know, maybe not being selected or being selected in the last 10 or 15 picks. Yeah, I think you make a good point about the comp between Shannon and Council. I I know that Orlando liked him, not that they would have necessarily taken him because they didn't give him that guarantee. And they uh, traded that pick, by the way, at 36. Oh, uh, <laughs> boy. Yep, that could have been one of those wait around in the at the draft party type of situations. I think Shannon would have gotten picked, but I, I don't know exactly. It probably would have been middle of the, of the second round and maybe even dipping into later if he finds situations that just don't teams that ne- don't necessarily love him or want somebody else uh coleman's an interesting one like I not, they're different players like you saw the way that trace fell and, and coleman has brings a different skill set but i i think that the knock of the the 28 percent from three type of situation is would have been probably hard for him to overcome and and he didn't have a, a ton of of guarantees either or any guarantees in terms of teams that would have taken him what the contract would have looked like i think coleman would have really risk not being drafted personally. I know that he's come out and said, hey, anybody that thinks I wouldn't have been picked is, is crazy. But um, and I know that Illinois, even as as the staff and, and people around them, thought that Coleman would have been a draft pick. But the way things played out, I think that there would have been a decent amount of risk for Coleman as, as that goes. I do think that Terrence probably would have been drafted, but you really never know. All right, Derek, let's move on to recruiting. Uh, and, and you've seen these guys in person now after the weekend. Uh, two guys that have really intrigued us over the last month of this June evaluation period. Um, Phoenix Gill, let's start there. Obviously the son of Illini legend Kendall Gill. Uh, Illinois offered him last summer after a strong summer. I find it interesting how Phoenix does not play AAU ball. Uh, but, boy, he seems to have really impressed uh, during the high school uh, showcases here so you saw him this past weekend what do you think of, of Phoenix Gill he's having a great month and it is really interesting because it's, it's a pretty rare decision not to play AAU but I, I think the way that he's showing this month the competition's different like if he was on the, the EYBL circuit uh, he could be going up against you know you, you put five guys on the floor that are usually D1 prospects in, in those type of games so not to to take anything away from him but 
the fact that I, I think he's still finding ways to progress. His body's progressing. Him and Kendall are in the weight room a lot. And just the approach of trying to keep him fresh. I mean, I understand. I, I get it. Like as somebody that goes out and covers a lot of these, these events and it's, and knows how much the coaches are on the road. It's a grind. I mean, you finish the high school season and you get about two, three weeks until you're in the gym every weekend of, of AAU throughout the rest of the spring. Then you're with your high school team. Then back in July, you're, you're playing AAU ball and Kendall's talked about it. I know they did a feature on WGN that, he thinks it's too much, it's too much in terms of burning kids out and not developing, really honing in on development. So uh, in terms of what I saw from him, I know that I saw him score 35 points in the game at Riverside Brookfield. Uh, he shot the three really well. He got to the rim. He got fouled a bunch. He's, he's a guy that pretty good athlete that when he decides to get downhill, it's, it's hard to stay in front of him. So he was able to rack up a lot of fouls. Then you go to Romeoville uh, this past weekend. I just love his feel. I love his feel for the game. Uh, his passing was really good when he's getting blitz because, I mean, he's no doubt by far and away the best player on his team. He's got another guy uh, that's a pretty good shooter that uh, is something that defenses have to look out for. But he was getting doubled a lot off of ball screens, and the pop on the on the decision-making was just spot on. Like he was, he was finding the right guy in rhythm. Ball wasn't sticking. It just showed that he's he knows the game, and, and coaches love that. I know that uh, you hear the buzz around. You're like, hey, that's a that's a – that's the next level type of play that he's able to make. Um, I think the, the body's coming along. Uh, he's not a blow you away type of like head above the rim athlete, but he's a good athlete and, and for, is continuing to progress. I think similar to Kendall, maybe he's got uh, a couple inches left to grow potentially because he was a, a late, a late developer physically as well. So um, I like him. I understand if Illinois wanted to push, I understand people out there to say, Hey, this is, it's a chance to put a, a gill number 13 in orange and blue again. Don't let other high majors come around and, and prevent that from happening. There are some that definitely have interest and will probably start offering if Illinois doesn't close this thing down. But um, I think they potentially could sometime this summer, and I, I would get it. I understand. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any – I'm looking at the 24-7 sports top 75 or whatever that we have in the class of 2025. There are no guys committed. Uh, there so this would be very early in the process for both the school and the player like I remember Tracy Abrams day right Nana Egru's day like all these guys are committing as sophomores Jeremy Richmond is a freshman uh, that's that's rare nowadays with with all the movement that's happening um, both in transfer portal and you know you get the op- option to, to go pro uh, overtime elite or um, with the G League and all of that so uh, but Phoenix Gill Illinois I, I wonder how many schools would like to offer Phoenix Gill but they're like hey is this is this worth worth our time uh, or, or effort right now but but certainly uh, Illinois seems like that's a high major prospect now and they made a good early evaluation Illinois did make a, another in-state offer in 2024 Derek Jason Jackstis uh, out of Yorkville what do you make of him as a prospect after seeing him up close I saw him play really well this past weekend. They had a game against Whitney Young that uh, Antonio Munoz is a nice prospect that he was really one-on-one against. He's probably a mid-major level uh, athletic big man. I mean, he's, he's probably 6'7", so I wouldn't say maybe big man, but front court player that he was matched up against. And then Young has uh, a number of up-and-coming you know, freshmen and sophomores that are thought to be some of the better players in the state too. But uh, Jax just led his team to a victory and looked really good really good I mean I like his skill the fact that he can stretch out to be on the arc and, and shoots it with uh, good fluidity fluidity, fluidity. and mm-hmm. I, I wasn't fluid in saying that but it is uh definitely a fluid stroke and, and one that he makes pretty well 
uh, can also do some stuff off the dribble. I, I know the the knock. I, I think some people have have seen him. He's really he's a slender big man, blocks some shots, can face up and do all that kind of things. And, and some guys say Brandon Leap. And after watching him enough, he I think he's in a different category. I think he's more skilled than Brandon. I, I think he's more of a, a mobile and and just more of a fluid athlete than Brandon Lieb was. So um, I like him. I think that there is some development that needs to happen and, and he's not someone that's going to come in and impact you right away. I wouldn't imagine. I think you got to ha- see if he's bought into kind of a longer term view of finding his way under the court and being a significant piece for you. Uh, if he is, I mean, he, he grew up an Illinois fan. He told me that his dad's from Champaign. I think there's an attraction to, to want to come to Illinois and, and kind of follow uh, into those footsteps and as you look at it from Illinois' front court picture going forward, you've got Merez already committed. You've got Monty Hansberry uh, here as a freshman. You're going to have Dane for another year. You've got some physicality, some some guys down there that can really impact around the rim, rebound, all that type of stuff. If you can have a stretch type of big man that does a little bit of what Coleman does now, I think that that would make sense. Even though maybe you go to the portal to get that in an immediate and then yeah. have a guy like Jax just develop and, and be that guy sophomore year, junior year, whatever it might be. But um, I, after seeing him more, I, I understand the offer, and I, I do, I do like his his potential. He's he's a good player. Yeah, and, and Derek, when you got thirteen scholarships, uh, listen, I know they'd like more, but um, th- there's a couple spots for developmental guys. Right. And if it's Jaxtus or if it's Phoenix Gill that might need a year or two, like there are opportunities there where, where you can have a couple of guys who aren't top 70 recruits. Right. Like and, and maybe these guys can end up there, especially maybe Gill if he if he really takes off here. But it, there's there's spots for that, especially for in-state guys who I think understand the process, understand what their role eventually is going to be. And then as you said, you, you supplement it with, you know, Illinois is going to need somebody after Coleman Hawkins in that role. Add a transfer and then you add Jaxus behind it, makes some sense. So uh, I still think there's there's a place for developmental guys. We're seeing it with Nico Omoretti. I think I don't think Imani Hansbury needs to be a developmental guy, but with what Illinois is in the front court, he might get a year of development before he's counted on in a huge role. Yeah, uh, I think that that's that's definitely something that as you go forward, it's probably different than this year where you look on the roster and you probably got ten guys that are probably ready to play this year or, or definitely want to be in that mix where going forward, and that still leaves three scholarship spots for someone like Moretti. Uh, I think Hansberry is going to be in a situation where he's not going to play a ton this year. If everything goes well with Gary, a Damask, uh, obviously Coleman, Dane, but you can uh, have a handful of guys, two, three, where they are longer term prospects. And I think that we were talking before we, we got on, pod of like maybe maybe when they're in state guys they're a little bit more and now I know we've had the Adam Millers leave and mm-hmm. uh, there's, there's been a handful of guys that you might think would stick it out that didn't but I, someone that might be from the state might be more willing to in the understand the situation be more bought in be more happy to be at Illinois when maybe they don't play for a year uh, I, I look at uh, Purdue with Trey Kaufman Wren came in Indiana Indiana kid came in redshirted we never see that who redshirts these days um, was Finky Painter, the last one uh, I guess Moretti technically did but that really doesn't count he showed up in what February yeah yeah if they're not like transfer well now you don't have to when you transfer there's really very few occasions when we see redshirts anymore but um, 
I think that Brad likes that potential and especially starting with 25 and beyond in that class. And I know the Jackson's is a 24, but you're going to have maybe more of an emphasis back onto high school recruiting because of get rid of the, the COVID year yeah. and, and it kind of shrinks the portal some. I still think it's going to be crazy and still going to be very active. Um, but I, I think that it's an interesting try to find try to find your lane because I think that Brad's gone heavy on the portal recently, but also still misses some of the development developmental program long-term chemistry, culture, buy-in, and all that stuff. So they're trying to find the right lane. And it is got to be adaptable, which I will yeah. say that they, they definitely are. But um, there's value to that, too. Yeah, it's fascinating, like, as we get more data on this. Like, you can succeed either way, whether you're Purdue or Michigan State and don't really go after transfers, or whether you're UConn and you supplement with transfers with good recruiting classes, or if you go – just all out transfers like Miami, like you can have Miami. success. Uh, in, yeah. Arkansas in, in many, many different ways here. Um, last thing I want to get to Derek is Josh Whitman in his 70 minute introductory statement, uh, which I appreciate. Uh, he was asking us if it was, if it was too long. He's like, no, it's really informative, but I found it interesting that he went out of his way uh, to discuss basketball and his lack of NCAA tournament success because Whitman is plugged in. He does not follow many people on Twitter, but I think he knows what is being said on Twitter. Uh, and I think he shares the frustration of Illini fans. He's talked about that, uh, of not having an extended run in the NCAA tournament. But he also said, listen, the NCAA tournament um, can be a little bit of luck. It can be a little bit of toss-ups. It can be uh, – it's not the ultimate measure of where your program sits, though ultimately our goal is to win in the NCAA tournament. Uh, and, and I thought he said, said it well. The last two years – Listen, you ran into some good teams, um, you, you kind of toss up games there. But he even mentioned, like, hey, 2021, that was that was the one. Like, that that was the one we screwed up. And as we've talked about, that is the cloud hanging over this program that has led to a lot of angst in the fan base. I'm just wondering, what, what did you make of, of Josh Whitman? And uh, I think it landed with some fans. I, I don't know if it landed with others who just want an NCAA tournament run um, before they're happy about anything, which I, I get. The NCAA tournament is what we live for here. I, I get where he's going with it. And I, I look, the ultimate kind of evaluation of where was the program pre-Brad Underwood to where it is now is you've made a lot of strides. You're a consistent factor in the Big Ten. You've got a chance. If you are, you look at CBS, you look at, uh, I think, the athletics. Seth Davis did his preseason top 25. You're kind of on the back end of that top 25. And I mentioned it before on the podcast, if you are an AP preseason top 25 team, that's the first time, as far as I can remember, that you would be in that situation to be preseason top 25 four years in a row and like at least a 60-year sample size. So to do that year after year after year, you're a factor every season. And you also obviously have gone to the tournament three straight years, can make it four, would be expected to make it four, that I think a lot of people would have killed for the Purdue, the Wisconsin the obviously Michigan State type of consistency where you can go into every season and expect to, to be a player. And I think that now Illinois is definitely that. Now there is a difference when you look at, you know, Bo Ryan went to a handful of Sweet 16s, uh, ended up going to two Final Fours. You look at, you know, Michigan, Beeline had some Final Fours in there. Izzo, obviously, uh, a lot of those. Um, but the interesting, part, the interesting part I always bring up about Izzo is his most talented teams usually are not the ones that make the runs. It's usually the old team 
with uh, that that hits the the hot streak at the right time. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the the most talented one in, in recent memory, I can remember Miles Bridges, Jaron Jackson. Jackson, Cassius Winston. That team was young, really talented, uh, but got bounced early first weekend type. Um, he did when he when he had the stars aligned with Mateen Cleaves and everything. I mean, that that team definitely got it done, uh, and that's where it stings for Illinois because it seemed like your stars were aligned with Iodasumu, Kofi Coburn in 2021, and and you just didn't get there. So um, people should want NCAA tournament success. Yes. Uh, I'm I'm not saying, yeah, I'm not saying they should apologize about that. Right. Like the the expectations should be high. Yes. And and Whitman didn't dodge that. He didn't try to act like they didn't want it. Um, I'm more though. I'm, I'm on the side where, I think it is a huge part of your evaluation. I understand that there is definitely nuance to this, that yes, a a regular season and and that type of thing does provide maybe more of a snapshot of, of just the, your foundation and where you are and where you're getting just the entry point of the tournament every year, if you are in that situation, which is great, but you do have to, to show up when it counts. Like there's a reason why you look at the NFL postseason. um, Aaron Rodgers, a lot of criticism because his Packers teams didn't get far enough or yeah. some of those type of things. There's other, there's other postseasons where it's all on that single elimination tournament. So I, I, I push back some on the randomness or don't evaluate this as much, but. Well, yeah, as, I, as a sample size gets bigger too, it becomes more of a problem for Brad. Underwood, yeah, 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 right. Yep. Because listen, I, I think Arkansas was the better, more talented team than Illinois at the end, especially with some of the injury issues they had. Um, Houston was a better team. Illinois had some injury issues. I'm not trying to make excuses here, which some people are going to take it as. But those teams are really, really good. Um, You shouldn't have lost to Loyola. And Illinois was completely unprepared for that moment. Maybe it's because COVID happened. They didn't have the NCAA tournament experience the year before. But there were no adjustments in that game. Illinois has not been prepared in the NCAA tournament to win games. Uh, They've played four poor games out of the five under Brad Underwood. Right? Like yeah, even Chattanooga game probably should have lost. Should have lost that game, and the one game you won, which was it Drexel? Uh, now, yeah. now that I remember, like it's Drexel, you have Kofi Coburn. Like it didn't, it didn't matter. So, uh, but you earned that with a one seed, right? That that's what you earned with a one seed. So that that is that sample size gets larger, the microscope obviously gets bigger on Brad Underwood. So I'm not saying that should go away, uh, but I do I do understand his point, which is Illinois in the mix. You keep getting bites at the apple. And at some point, you need to make a run. But I, I don't think, I, I don't think this team is going to be bad. <laughs> there seems to be a segment that thinks this team misses the NCAA tournament. Maybe we'll cut this up in nine months, Derek, and, and somebody can go. Oh, Werner, guarantee they're going to be in the NCAA tournament. I have a pretty good feeling this team's going to be in the NCAA tournament. I just have no idea how they're going to play once they get there. I'm 100% with you. Uh, I people are some are really on edge about like if Brad doesn't go to the sweet 16 this year i mean he should be on the hot seat type of thing i mean i think that the hot seat type of conversation with brad i think is absolutely crazy i don't think it's i don't think it's a good faith argument like like if you want to bring up criticism you want to say hey is he the guy like if if you want to bring up hey they make the tournament lose the first round he got to say to b is he the guy to get this to point c i'm all for like that'd be fine i think that is fair but the the discussion of like he's on the hot seat now like that's not that's not reality that's not that's not a good faith argument. No, it's it's not. It's not reality. Like you said, um, I, I do think 
kind of the again it does circle back to some of the the point guard talk of hey you got everything else this year if you could add that point guard i understand i understand why you'd want to do that to get this this monkey off your back to calm the fan base um that's why it's a tough decision but maybe it works with ty rogers i think i think ty rogers can be an, enough to be able to when you go into the tournament and, and he's a, a unique sometimes unique matchups are the things that bother people the most and that could be something that that is um, we, for people to deal with. We buried this, Derek. I'm sorry to, to do this. I didn't mention it when we first brought it up. This team should be awesome defensively. They should be yeah, awesome. Should be. Uh, they should be. Like I, I'd be disappointed if they're not. If you have Ty Rogers, Sincere Harris, Terrence Shannon, who I think can, like like Io during his college career, I think can go to another level defensively, and if he's locked in a little yep. bit more. Um, uh, Coleman Hawkins is an All Big Ten caliber defender. Um, you know, th- this team should be really good defensively. I think Gary Air can be a solid piece. I think Luke Goody's a good team defender. You know what I mean? Like Armin th- should be a good defender. Yeah, like this team should be one of the top teams defensively. I think that's going to make them consistent. Uh, but it's whether they can shoot the ball, whether in, in the NCAA tournament consistently from three, uh, of of how far they go. Like that 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 for me is is going to be the most uh, interesting thing. But with that that group they should be very good defensively and they were not good defensively at the end of last year right no i fully agree i mean i I really like the way that gary a can guard fours i mean take him off the wing where he was guarding a lot uh at oregon and he's he's a physical guy that i think pairs really well with coleman and yeah they can they should be able to really guard and i even think you know dragon's lawhorn has everything athletically to be a good defender too and if he's as much of a dog as I've heard. I mean, we saw Sincere Harris, who's dudes that are hungry, hungry and gritty and want to get after you. I think he's got a chance to, to do that too. So you go down the list of the roster, it's got a chance to to definitely be very good at that end. If you can shoot it better, if Coleman can make the strides as a shooter, if Domas coming in as a, a guy that's not a, a primary option now, he's a more of a spot up and uh, maybe he's a, a very good catch and shoot, Gary A., if you get the shooting upgrade, at least even marginally to decent point guard play, good defense, there's enough baked in there to to make a run. But uh, yeah, I mean, kind of big big picture. As long as Brad is continually in that like top five of the Big Ten type of mix, good season the tournament, there's no immediate like eject button that's going to get pressed here. Um, it is going to be interesting to just kind of see after this season if you don't go on the run this year, say you're a, a first weekend exit and if it is even worst case scenario, maybe like a, I'm not gonna say worst case cause I think you get to the tournament, maybe you lose first, first round. Then there's, there's significant roster turnover. Yes. I think that picture after this year, what's left of it, how you navigate that, that could be a challenge the following year. Um, and that's where things could maybe go, I don't, I'm not gonna say go sideways, but it could get, interesting in terms of the conversation around Brad if, if this year doesn't work and then there's so much yeah. to replace next year which is why I kind of side with the the Rodgers just to make this full circle Harris Drake Gibbs Allhorn you know if Monty Hansberry needs to play a little bit like that's your core for the future along with yeah. Dane Danger right so like I I think it's uh probably best long term to to just roll with those guys unless some great point guard comes around here all right Derek I think we covered it all man um the offseason continues though so we got it all figured out. It's uh, late June and we figured it all out. So uh, we'll talk to you in October. <laughs> Great stuff, Derek. Appreciate the time as always, man. Yeah, always fun.
Great stuff as always with Derek Piper. That's going to do it for us here on the Online Enquirer podcast. Check out all the latest VIP information, analysis, interviews. Derek Piper's got his early buzz on these summer workouts. We got so much on Illinois football recruiting. Check out that big board. Check out who I had for who could be next in the Illini class of 2024. Uh, five prospects to watch. You can get all that at IlliniEnquirer.com. And right now, of course, you can get 50% off a VIP membership. More than $60 of savings at Illini Enquirer. So check that out. Thank you all for listening to the Illini Enquirer podcast. Give us a follow, rating, review wherever you get your podcasts. And everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Bye, everybody.